What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. The benefit of doing a daily podcast is sometimes I get to bring you news that is hot off the presses in the guitar world. Uh, to be honest, I don't often find uh, a lot of the guitar news that comes out that all that interesting or all that exciting compared to the stuff I tend to talk about. Unique kind of interesting stories behind instruments and the people who make them, the people who play them, all that good stuff. You listen to this, you know what it's about. But today I, there was a piece of news which I thought was cool to talk about and to spread it out there to anyone who doesn't know about it. And it's an interesting thing to think about. And there's already <laughs> like a, a like a ton of, of very strong opinions about it. <laughs> already watching people argue about this story, which is amazing. So if you haven't heard the news, the big news in guitar world right now just come out is that Gibson have, I don't know what the right word is, acquired, taken over. Mesa Boogie. Mesa Boogie has joined the Gibson family of brands, as they put it, which is a a gut-wrenchingly, disgustingly corporate way to put something, isn't it? Um, it's it's beyond parody the way all of these big companies talk, and they don't they they seem to think that it makes them sound nicer. And if they just said like we've acquired Mesa Boogie, I think it's at the point now in time where we all just be like, yeah, cool, that that would sound better, but. You know, it just sounds up front. It sounds nice. But I always hate when big companies talk like that, man. Oh, the family brands. They've joined the family. We've adopted young master Mesa Boogie from a troubled and broken home into the loving embrace of the Gibson family of brands. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, for some reason, I just hate when big companies talk like that. When, you know, some genuine family-run company wants to talk like that, like a... A, a real genuine it doesn't even really matter about size so much but when a a proper family run company and not one that's run by investors and venture capitalists and all that wants to talk like that fine but man it always makes me sick anyway there's a tangent for you um so yeah mesa boogie has Join the Gibson family of brands, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, Gibson's acquired Mesa Boogie, this, that, and the other. Uh, the way they're all talking about it is all happy, lovey, dovey, corporate double speak. So I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know if literally Gibson bought it or it's just a cooperation and partnership. Um, the way they talk about it, it sounds like they're going to be inserting parts of their bodies into one another. So. I have no idea what's actually happened, but yeah, uh, Mesa Boogie's part of Gibson now. Isn't that exciting? Um, I'm not down on the idea, despite me sounding very down on everything there for a second. That was just that I hate the way these companies talk and the way it's all like, we couldn't be more excited to be joining this beautiful family of brands. And it's like, it's just, did you get bought out because your company was struggling? Is that what ha- I'd rather you just said? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because... Um, there's not been a bunch of word or a bunch of thought about Mesa Boogie being in necessarily in in trouble or heading towards that sort of thing, which you sometimes hear about companies when they then get, I don't know, adopted into a family of brands. It tends to be that they've, you know, been looking for that to happen, either in a positive, strong way or in a perhaps more negative, uh, having difficulties and needing someone to step in kind of way. None of that was on the cards from anything that a lot of people had heard about, which is very interesting. Um, it was interesting as well because um, of the way that they talk about it. The, the phrasing that they're using at the moment is talking about that now Mesa Boogie will become the 
custom shop of amplifiers for Gibson, which is driving a whole bunch of speculation, even more than just the thing in itself would. You know, Mesa Boogie joins the Gibson fucking list of brands, whatever. I'm not saying family. It's stupid. I'm not talking like that. Gibson owns Mesa Boogie, whatever it is now. Gibson in partnership with Mesa Boogie. But uh, partnership seems to be a kind of better word, maybe. Um, Not because of all the corporate nonsense doublespeak, but... um, because of the fact that they're talking about this like a uh, custom like Mesa Booga will become the custom shop of Gibson kind of suggests that they're going to collaborate on projects together and obviously the relationship is a bit deeper than a collaboration with Mesa Booga being kind of under the umbrella of Gibson um, but it does suggest that there's something collaborative going on there obviously Mesa Booga is a very popular doesn't suggest they're going to be like bought out and then shelved as a brand or kind of gutted or anything like that um, not at all um, you know even looking past the kind of faux positivity of all the language where you know who knows if it's faux positivity i don't know uh, that's how they always talk with these things these, any kind of giant corporate merger we're so excited to see the wonderful fit of our two historic brands coming together and going from strength to strength into the future even that you know it's a hostile takeover and that's how they talk about it so you can't glean anything of any value from that but uh, talking about it specifically in those terms suggests that what they are interested in, in here is uh, Maze Boogie project, uh, kind of, yeah, producing some interesting work for Gibson. Um, and perhaps using the Mesa Boogie, continuing to use the Mesa Boogie brand, but also using the experience of the Mesa Boogie people, perhaps to bring out some special lines of amplifiers, perhaps we'll see some signatures. We know Gibson has been big on working with artists even more kind of lately uh, with the Adam Jones model stuff like that. Uh, that could be it. People are also suggesting that, you know, there's quite a lot of renewed interest in the whole vintage scene and kind of beyond as as as. There's so many kind of cool vintage channels and vintage people out there from your Joe Bonamassas to your smaller collectors online um, with an interest in the Gibson amps. And those definitely pop up and kind of old school Gibson amps um, from various different eras do drive quite a lot of interest um, in, in some different ways. And perhaps Gibson will be stepping back into the amp world. And, you know, they needed some people on board to do that instead of just bringing some people on maybe uh, that and a whole bunch of other circumstances meant that the best way for them to do that was to actually bring the whole of Mesa Boogie, kind of the original boutique amp guys, if you want to put it like that, on on board. Um, you know, um, and that boutique mod shop amp heritage of Mesa Boogie coming on board would help facilitate all sorts of collaborations and interesting things. Or that could just be part of the way they're talking about it. They've literally just made a takeover of Mesa Boogie and they're going to pump out Mesa Boogie amps and just feel like they wanted an amp brand uh kind of lodged into their whatever list of brands i refuse to use the word family um you know you know maybe it's that um this is the kind of speculation that's going on and that phrasing has definitely driven the speculation but also just the fact that for some fans this is of mesa boogie and of gibson this is kind of just come out of nowhere it's interesting it's obviously two big well-known loved iconic brands suddenly they're together that's uh, absolutely fascinating and so drives a lot of speculation itself of course like people are immediately just taking the piss brutally because because it's gibson um i'm 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 not i'm not saying i enjoy it because i dislike gibson it's not that at all i just like i love the speed that it comes out like this is not one of those stories that comes out about like oh gibson do this wrong or you know in the last five years or so we've had tons of you know 
hating on Gibson and stuff. Kind of the story in itself is like, oh, everyone hates this thing or Gibson does this and you know everyone's going to hate it or you know it's at least going to be controversial or polarizing. Let's put it like that. This isn't one of those stories, really. This is just like, this is interesting for lots of other reasons. It's not interesting for those reasons. This doesn't go in the bucket of gibson doing something stupid or shitty or whatever you know instantly it doesn't go in that bucket of stories and yet just a story about gibson doing anything instantly like the first comments everywhere are just like oh i can't wait to order my new (laughs) triple rectifier with a broken headstock like it's just instantaneous like people saying all sorts of things with a massive shit-eating grin on their face and it's hilarious it's it's hilarious to me the speed of it um that that is not me saying that to like rile big gibson fans up or anything because i think gibson guitars are freaking fantastic uh let me just make that clear um that's not that's not me saying that um have they had a bunch of problems recently yep have they did they have a big problem with quality control that lots of people pointed out they absolutely did was their business being run in kind of nasty, weird ways in some ways? I absolutely agree with some of that. But a lot of Gibson fans absolutely agree with that. If you're out there, you're a Gibson person, you love your Gibson guitars, a lot of you will also say, love my Gibson guitars, man, did not like the way the company was being run in certain ways or, you know, kind of they weren't really stepping up in the game in terms of being part of the community and I didn't like that. Uh, you know, the general feeling is they've turned a lot of that around and kind of reinvented the company in a lot of ways with the new management or kind of reinvigorated it. And, and that's been really positive. So I'm not here to join in any like shitting on or anything like that. Um, I will take the piss out of them mercilessly for saying the family or brands because I think that sounds fucking stupid. But um, and it's just at this point, I don't I, I just can't believe that that language still actually genuinely creates any kind of positive vibe or positive gain for the company to talk like that you know i've said this so many times before just talk like a company just be like yeah we acquired this other company just be honest about it i feel like a lot of some of the small guys really are they just talk business sometimes they really talk shop and it's kind of like bare behind the curtains and sounds a bit gristly and uh financial at times but that's part of the genuineness and i feel like some of the bigger companies could really do better to do that although maybe they're in a bind because maybe if you talk like that as a bigger company it doesn't work if you talk like that as a pedal builder filming a video with your iphone in your garage workshop then it has a feeling of genuineness and an air of genuineness maybe if gibson was just like we acquired this company we'd be like this we just feel like it was sterile and corporate probably so maybe they can't win and i would just have to take the piss out of them either way but um no gibson hating and that it's it's not about that. Um, it's just fun to crack jokes. And I just thought it was hilarious. Just whenever there's a story about Gibson, instantly it turns into a broken headstock joke or, a, uh, you know, can't wait to get my... <laughs> can't wait to get a get my new Mesa Boogie head with a robot tuner built in. All of this stuff. I think it's fun. Um, you know, there are people worrying about it because Gibson has not done well in certain ways. And actually, to be fair, any big company, this is true to some extent. Where they buy companies or they buy brands, more to put it more accurately, they, they buy brands and then either shelve them. That happens all the time. Fender Musical Instrument Corporation, done it all the time, done it many, many, many times. Uh, currently has brands shelved, which people are like calling for, like, bring that back. I want that, you know, and it's just it's shelved. It has been for years that that happens. Um, you know, so people criticize the way Gibson has handled brands that it's taken on and stuff like that. And uh, some of the, I don't know, wayward orphan children that it has lovingly brought into the bosom of the warming embrace of the gibson family of brands or whatever you know you know 
people have been critical of the way that certain certain lost urchins have been brought to suckle at the Gibson Teat in the past, apparently. Um, you know, but to be fair, to balance that out a little bit, every brand, the way it takes on other brands, every big kind of umbrella company that in that way that takes on other other brands, you know, shelves some of them, mismanages some of them, takes on a bunch of debt with some of them, realizes it doesn't can't have much to do with it and financial situation changes, landscape changes, and they shuffle it on without anything getting any better or maybe things being worse for wear in terms of that brand. All these things can happen. Um, there is maybe a bit, uh, you know, obviously that does not mean they're all just equal. Some companies do better with it than others. And in the previous Gibson management, like I say, not Gibson hating, not the guitars. The, the guitars were making when, you know, even when Gibson had to file for bankruptcy, the guitars were raking in over a billion every year. As far as I'm aware, uh, in revenue, it was, it was year after year, they were raking in like over a billion, um, at least at least a kind of couple or a few years in a row uh guitars were wildly popular even as people were criticizing them and things but the criticism of the business side of things was that they basically took on a tried to become a lifestyle brand instead of focusing on the instruments that was a big criticism from in kind of the business from the business perspective but also from the guitar community perspective stop messing around with all these other things taking on debt from a bunch of companies and and nothing to do with guitars and trying to be a lifestyle brand focus on making good instruments that's what you should do and people feel that that course has been corrected pretty well with the new management and the other criticism of the old management was just taking on uh businesses you know brands that could have gone somewhere not putting nearly enough effort into them um in some ways and kind of just getting saddled with debt from these kind of brands and instead of reinvigorating them just kind of like letting them go stale in some ways or just really kind of um putting a nail in the coffin of some of them in some ways is how some people felt whether that's fair or not i'll allow others to judge but um that has caused some people to worry about mesa boogie but i do feel like largely those stories from gibson some of them relate to the guitar world for sure and it's something to consider however i think a lot of the biggest criticisms about brands that gibson took on and things did not go well were actually ones that were nothing to do with guitar and part of the concern was do they have anyone who can manage gibson who can manage this brand well or do anything good with it when it was in like consumer electronics or like software that was not so music related or anything like this um you know and actually uh you know with some of those that's where some of the worst stories or the things that people point to the worst as being the worst examples come from um but that's a lot of that is arguably because it was them taking on stuff that was nothing to do with where their focus should have been um, and obviously Mesa Boogie is a lot more in line with where their focus should be um, of course if people want to kind of look to the past to see how the future might go you can see how Gibson has done with other guitar and kind of guitar world related brands that they've taken on and you know things have not always been necessarily positive or made the most of there um, and some things have been absolutely made the most of um or positive i mean look at epiphone uh continue making the epiphone models that um were kind of the most popular in things the epiphone original models and then kind of turn that into the extraordinarily successful brand that it is whether you kind of like that story or not or whether you like epiphone or not it's extraordinarily successful um you know that could also worry some people say well they might keep making money or milking money out of Mesa Boogie but will they do what we as fans of that sound and what we want Mesa Boogie as a brand to do for some people obviously if they don't like Gibson very much just the fact that now Mesa Boogie is under Gibson if they loved Mesa Boogie and didn't like Gibson that 
feels hurtful to them and they, and they feel discouraged by that so there's all sorts of feelings going around of course from all sorts of different perspectives as you would expect but um you know there have been good stories and, and uh, success stories and perhaps not so successful stories and more negative stories with uh gibson and other companies like i say taking on brands in the guitar world so it makes it just to me the conclusion is makes it very hard to make a prediction of how this is going to go um, and like I said at the start, what caught my eye, like a lot of people, was their interesting language. Was this idea of like Mesa Boogie will be the amp custom shop of Gibson. Very interesting. I assume with Mesa Boogie being so popular and people calling for new amps from them all the time and stuff, that that does not just mean that they're just going to be just a kind of custom shop thing for a little boutique line amps from Gibson, whatever the branding on those is, whether it's still Mesa Boogie or whatever. I assume, one, there will still be Mesa Boogie branded amps, but also I assume that the 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 kind of especially the most prestigious and most beloved but just generally the mesa boogie lines that they have the new ones the older ones the lines of amps that they're always developing will continue to be made i assume i assume that those will be continuing to be made and sold kind of just as normal i assume there will be some amount of business as usual just it's under gibson i assume but i don't know the wording is interesting to me on two fronts of what it could mean that they're going to do different or new in terms of being a custom shop for amps under gibson and what it means to kind of perhaps worrying some people could it mean that something stopped i i assume not but it'll be really interesting to see how this goes so i wanted to bring it up because this caught my eye i thought it, there were some funny things about it some things to kind of make fun of but um also an interesting story that i think is kind of getting everyone thinking and everyone has strong opinions about in the guitar community so fun to bring up um and and hear about today so i thought i'd share that with you there's a link to the story with some more details in the description of this podcast um so you can also check that out and as always speaking of the description of the podcast you will find another link in the description of this podcast because that is our music suggestion of the day we love talking about gear we love making stupid jokes about how companies talk and love making jokes and repeating jokes that people have said about gibson and why not it's fun <laughs> but you know at the end of the day it all comes back to music that is what we're all passionate about. That's kind of what gets us into guitar. That's what we're all here for. So every single episode, we have a suggestion of an artist, an album, performance, something to go and check out to listen to some music. And today, um, as well as the music here, which I think you're going to love, um, it's also about the story. Yesterday, I suggested something a bit heavier. Um, I love to go backwards and forwards a little bit because that tends to be, a, I don't know about you guys, but my music kind of listening mood goes like that. You kind of indulge and get really into a certain sound and then you flow between you know, into into sometimes the very a very 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 different sound and very very opposite kind of sound. Not that there's necessarily opposites, but you know, a really really starkly contrasting sound or genre, and you kind of bounce between moods like that. Um, that happened to me, and uh, I wanted something um, really moving away from the kind of a modern produced massive guitar sound metal that I su- uh, suggested yesterday. Um, and today, not just the music I'm also suggesting, there's kind of a story here with this. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story behind this album because I want you to go check it out in the link and I want you to go read it. Because if I just tell you the whole story, you might just go, oh, that's kind of cool. And then not go deeper and check it out. And I want you to go follow the link in the description. Um, 
and you're going to need it because it's another example of me mispronouncing everything because I try to get music from all around the world because that's what I like to find and listen to and that means that I have plenty of opportunity to mispronounce everything just like Luthier's names from all around the world and their guitar models and we have this should just be like a this podcast is just like a collection of me mispronouncing everything but um anyway this album is actually a reissue from the early 70s. It's from a band called the Magona Sole Band. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Lucky for you with the miracle of technology, there is a link in the description so you don't have to try and type to my terrible mispronunciation and end up at nowhere. But um, this is really important music that played an extremely important role culturally, um, socially, politically um, in South Africa. Um, throughout the 60s and the 70s and beyond um, influenced a huge amount of important musical movements there um, stuff that I don't know a whole lot about and I'm just learning about and a great way to start learning about that and to listening to this music and learning about the new kinds of music that came out of like townships in South Africa and stuff is with this album and with this band you've really got to go listen to it the music in itself is beautiful the story is important um, and it will turn you onto a whole uh kind of world of music there that that is going to open your mind it's fantastic you're you're gonna you gotta go list it just check the link in the description of this podcast wherever you're listening to this the link is in the description of this podcast and you gotta go check it out it should start an adventure a journey of listening for you and that's what it's all about so go listen to that go read the the little story that's on the same page there um as the music because it's worth it uh, and dig into it and enjoy get inspired check out the other link if you want to learn more about the story about gibson and miss boogie and all that i think less inspiring to be honest perfectly honest with you but you know interesting when when we're all guitar gear nerds so there you go yep check out that music listen to a bunch of music as always get inspired play a bunch of guitar look after yourselves look after one another and i will catch you again tomorrow mm-hmm.